Yes. Uh-huh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Measuring Flicks. My name is Carl Hartley. My name is Max Peterson, and welcome to our second month. Uh, this is the first episode of our where we've started a new theme. Mm-hmm. The the so month excited. of April is going to be all westerns. Yes, all the time. Oh my god! Oh, I know. New westerns, old westerns, was... black and white westerns. No musical westerns except Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids. Sometimes gets a little musically. It did. There are touches <laughs> of musically, and uh, by the way, that is what we are covering today. Our first episode is going to be 1969's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid directed by george roy hill who apparently by some accounts was a bit of a bastard that's what i heard uh, <laughs> starring paul newman and robert redford in what i was talking last night uh, i watched this with all my roommates oh, and that i think that this is they, they both had worked before they were both paul newman was a superstar yeah but i think that worked together before no this was their yeah. first appearance together and i think that this is the movie that sort of like defined not their careers but like this this movie like shot them up to a whole new echelon yeah i mean they were already like pop like you said popular in their own rights their careers they weren't like hurting in hollywood they had projects uh newman already done like cool hand luke right um redford had done other movies but but yeah this is the one that like everybody saw butch and sundance right and fell in love with the two of them and yeah their careers separately did very well and then they did another movie together after this called the sting so they actually have two movies where they play well this is uh this movie actually didn't do very well initially initially for the first like two or three weeks it was open in 1969 Um, but yeah, when it uh, when it was originally released, there was like a really lukewarm um, like outpouring. It was doing very poorly at the box office, and uh, the director, who was a bit of a negative Nancy mm-hmm. and a bit of a, as we've said, a bastard, right? Um, he was just grumpy. That's all it was. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, he he was like he regretted he regretted for a, f- a couple weeks. He's like, why did I just do that? Why did I waste all that time? This, right. It was a fairly hard movie to make. It was a really long. Well, shoot. they did it like most. It's almost all on location. I mean, they uh, a bunch of it is in for like months. A bunch of it is shot in South Mexico. America and Mexico. Yeah. Ironically, the only place that they couldn't shoot, uh, they were there's a big scene that takes place in New York. Did you read this? No, but I saw a mini documentary though. There's a there's a they were supposed to shoot in there was this big scene in New York and on the the lot where they were shooting on the Paramount lot right next door they were shooting Hello Dolly which is set oh, in New York. Oh right, yes. So they were going to use uh, the New York sets of Hello Dolly and they didn't bother to get permissions because they're like we're going to be shooting right next door. Right. So when they started shooting they're like hey by the way can we just can we use your sets no. and the other director was like no. <laughs> No, you can't. And the studio's like, yeah, we're going to go with them on this. You can't use them. So that huge montage where it's just photographs right. of the actors in New York City, that was their workaround. He just had them po- like pose in various poses and, and then spliced like, them in. And pasted their pictures into actual he's, photographs he's of New York. He spliced them into actual <laughs> photos of New York. And that's... That's why that looks kind of horrible. <laughs> I actually kind of liked it, but we're not talking Anyways. about the, yeah, we need to talk about the actual movie. What is this movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Oh my God. Uh, the, good. The, okay, good. so this is like, it's one of my favorite movies. It floats uh-huh. my top three, like this, The Last Starfighter and Godfather 2. I know that's like a Western, a weird sci-fi movie right. and <laughs> Godfather Part 2, but this is like, it's the first, they had buddy movies before. Yeah. 
you know, but this one, I think, like, defined what that whole buddy, I want to say buddy cop, but they're not buddy cops, but I always think of, like, Riggs and Murtaugh it's and listed Lethal as Weapon. A, it's listed as a crime film as well. Right. It's, like, Western crime. Western, well, they are the banditos, uh, ben, uh, ben, uh, Yankee, banditos Yankee, right? yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but it's the first one that's like you really just follow these two dudes on this adventure, and it's their camaraderie and the humor between the two of them. They're two completely different right. characters. One's like Butch Cassidy is, I mean, he'll kill somebody, he doesn't care, and he's a little quick to draw his gun. Sundance. Butch, Sundance, I'm sorry. Yeah. Where Butch Cassidy is more of the. Had never killed anybody never until killed they got to anybody. Bolivia. Yeah, so. Had never even shot anyone. Um, so there's, I mean, this is the first movie that I think really, it sort of set the standard for, all right, you want to have buddies? in a movie it's Butch and Sundance you go watch that movie and that then we dynamic. can talk about your buddy cop movie buddies heist movie when, buddy whatever yeah movie. once you watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid you realize that all like most uh, most buddy movies most movies with um like Sherlock Holmes, right? Guy Ritchie's new Sherlock Holmes yes. is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid. Like anytime you've got two men, one of them's uh, one of them's dangerous, one of them's clever. Right. You are just redoing Butch, Butch and Butch, Butch and Sundance. And Sundance yeah. Um, you're not alone, by the way, in this being one of your favorite films. Uh, I I just I like to get numbers and stats. No, I like it. Uh, the American Film Institute, the AFI. In 2007, they ranked this the 73rd greatest movie of all time. That's Jeez. that's just of all, all the movies, movies of ever all made. the movies. This is number seventy three. Top hundred. They rated it in two thousand eight. They rated it the seventh greatest western of all time out of ten. Wow. Um, and then the Writers Guild of America, which is like the, that's for um, American screenwriters mm-hmm. and television writers. They rated this eleven of uh, number eleven on their list of the greatest screenplays ever written. That's wow. a, a list of a hundred. Okay, that's pretty. Uh... So this movie's pretty it's universally ac- lauded. Yeah, it's, this is very accolady. It's very accolady. I didn't write down the stats, but uh, I wow. read this last night, and uh, it has won more BAFTAs than any other film in history, and it it won nine and was nominated for ten. And the only reason it couldn't win ten, it was because the tenth was a dual nomination. Oh God! For best actor for Paul Newman, Paul Newman and, and Robert Redford, <laughs> so it had to both win and lose its tenth nomination. That's How the, crazy is it's, that? It, everything it was nominated for, it won. And you can watching this movie, you can see why. Mm-hmm. This nineteen sixty nine movie before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah, saw yeah. it when I was a kid. I did. There was parts of it that I didn't remember, but I was surprised by how much I did oh, actually yeah. remember. Um, yeah, the uh, the sepia. Starting with the sepia, I forgot that it switches to color, and I was so thrilled for a second. I was yep. like, "What a daring choice!" Just to shoot it all in shoot sepia the tone. whole movie in like this weird to shoot it like uh in the in the color palette of mm-hmm. a photograph from the old west. I was like, I don't remember this at all, but my god! And then it faded to color. I always forget that like, that's oh, how it okay. opens with, okay. and it actually opens with. Like a movie within a movie, yeah. Like an old, like old footage of an of of like the the train robbery, mm-hmm. and the first title card you see because it's shot like a silent movie is the 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 hole in the wall gang notorious throughout the West. They're all dead now. Right. Right. So like, <laughs> <It's> like spoilers. <laughs> Thanks, movie. <laughs> we didn't get that. I mean, it was the wild. All West. of them were killed. All of them were killed. 
Um, that that opening sequence mm-hmm. is part of a longer sequence, which was originally supposed to be the um, the ending as well. Uh, Hill was going to bookend the film, and what, oh, what, is, what was going to happen is uh, we watched that movie, you know, and you see yep. the credits come up on the right, and we're watching the movie on the left, and um, we were going to see like Butch and Sundance being like bloodthirsty killers, like gunning down women right. and children, and then they die in a big posse, and the lights come up, and Butch and Sundance and Ella, Ella, Etta. Any, the girl that the they're girl with. In it. Um, what's her? What's that, what's that actress's name? Catherine something. Uh, da, 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 da. I didn't write it down. I'm so stupid. Oh, Catherine Ross. That's her mm. name. Um, yeah. So it was going to be uh, Paul Newman and and Catherine Ross and and uh, Robert Redford sitting and watching the movie, and then Butch and Sundance start complaining loudly that that's not how it happened. Oh wow! And that would have Cat- been brilliant. It he, uh, Hill said it was too heavy-handed. Oh, it is a little. But uh, and then Ella was going to leave as the scene where they get shot comes up because she says earlier in the movie. I don't want to watch you die. Now, yeah. do you want to just jump around because I want to talk about that? Okay, we can. I mean, we're assuming everyone has listened to some of our podcasts we do jump around but that's we're just talking about the movie it doesn't have to go in order no definitely not this is a freaking conversation about the movie and it's going to go in any order i forgot the the screenwriter's name but he it's a he's a famous screenwriter too Mm -hmm. he's written a bunch of other really good shit but he said the reason that he wrote he wanted to write butch uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid was because of something F. Scott Fitzgerald once said. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald once said that um, American lives have no second act. American lives are all first the first act, and there is no second act to them. So when he found out, this is based on a true story, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, When he found out that these guys were like Wild West outlaws, got chased down by a super posse, and then left and went to South America and became more famous and, and notorious right. there than they had ever been in the States. He's like, oh my God, look at this. They had a second and act. they had act two, right, Bolivia. Right. Which is, I think that this movie, I'm sure there are more, but off the top of my head, I can only think of two movies that have a two-act structure mm-hmm. because the, the standard Hollywood film is a three-act structure. This one even has like the intermission, like the... the the, the, New your, the New York sequence, sequence feels like an is intermission. intermission between the two. I mean, as soon as uh, Butch throws the bicycle away and says, right. the, the future's all yours, yours, bicycle, yeah. that is the end, and clearly the end of Act 1. Right. And um, then you have the, yeah, the intermission, which is a weird New York well, not even, scene. And then, you are <laughs> from the theater world, so you're thinking, are you thinking theater-style acts breaks? Because no. I'm I'm thinking well, of, I read a... Um, oh, the actual, like, the, the change in... Right. There's like the story. There are beats that are supposed to right. happen, and I, I read some screenwriting um, guides when I was first getting into mm-hmm. screenwriting, and there was a book that broke down um, book uh, films that break the conventions of the traditional three act. Um, uh, Hollywood screenplay where right. like act one you're introduced to everything and you're introduced to your problem act two your character starts like dealing with the problem and you have you have certain like you the, Hollywood is fucked up because you will break it they will break it down to page like right. page on page 60 you need to have a turn involving character A okay, and C. Okay, there'll be some sort of discovery. It, it's really you know, cookie right, cutter right. kind of crap. And, and then, uh, and then the Queen Alien comes in the third act, and you have the fight with the right. There's, machine. Right. There's, you know, like your resolution. But there are there are beats within those. It's awful. Right. And but there yeah. are two films, and this this one wasn't mentioned, but it 
I think this one qualifies like uh, Full Metal Jacket by Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick. Oh, clearly. There's the... all that early stuff with the in the barracks and the training of the troops. It's and then boot camp Act and then... 2 is Vietnam and right. there's no third act. In this movie, you get America and Bolivia and there's, again, no third act. Right. So I think that that's part of what makes this movie so effective is it doesn't feel like you're you don't your brain doesn't get it ever fall the into third the third act rut. is australia but they never make it there <laughs> oh my god i could t- i cry every time i know it's stupid right well and like like when sundance is like no swimming doesn't matter right doesn't tell matter. me about the banks like <laughs> they both know beyond a shadow of a doubt they, they're bleeding they're done they know right and like and they're still but we're jumping planning it yes mm. oh my god breaks my heart every time though it does it does um I think another reason that this movie is so effective, and we're going to talk, I would like to talk about Westerns oh, as general? a genre, yeah. as a larger... I was going to do that when we opened the show, but I was so excited to talk about I know. this We'll get it. I think, movie, I think there so. are other movies that lend us, in our month, that lend themselves better to yeah. it, like uh, Liberty Valance, for mm-hmm. example. But um, I was, I think part of the other reason that this movie was so effective is I was watching it with uh, my wife Bird last night, and she hates Westerns. Sure. Hates them. I, have, I, I actually know a couple people who don't like yeah. it. But she, I was like, well, what do you think? Come on, because it's fun. It's fun in a way that Westerns sometimes aren't, aren't and usually right. aren't. It's lighthearted, and it's nostalgic, and it's, like, cheerful mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of Westerns aren't. And she goes, well, I don't, I'm like, what do you think? Come on, pretty good Western, right? And she's like, I don't know. I think they're doing a Western wrong. And I was like, touche. Like, yeah. maybe it's not. It, it is, undoubtedly, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit all of the, uh, it doesn't hit all of the the what we think of as the western. They're not right. slaughtering Native Americans on like wholesale. Right. There's not like a a tough guy who slaps women around and we're supposed to accept <laughs> right. that that's just part of being tough. Like those things are absent and what you get yeah. instead is a weird fairly progressive romantic love triangle, you know? It's not It's a, yeah, the the three of them have the very unique relationship. Which maybe it's just because it's there the are whorehouses, but yeah, there's a whorehouse, and but we don't see that. But it's not that whole bang, 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 hey, pick your lady. And it's also it's not like the. <laughs> there's a lot of movies where when you have a scene in a whorehouse, you have a character who's being shitty to the to the right to the right. You don't have sex workers. You don't have the the woman with the black eyes like oh right right. You know, like it's just part of the tread. This is not a Clint Eastwood western. No. This is not an early John Ford. No, this like, is this is the Walt Disney World of. It almost left. is, and uh, except I, for the end. Yeah, well, even then, even then, even then, I we can talk. We'll talk about the end at the end. I'm going to avoid I'm it sorry. because it's one, it is like one of the most iconic scenes ever. Yes. So you you want to jump right to it, but we should we should make our way through. Right, let's be good to ourselves <laughs> and and to each other and to each other. God bless. Aww. No. <laughs> um. Oh shit! What was I saying? I was saying something. But the what the West, this isn't like your typical yeah, Western. Yeah, the the thing about that I like about the scenes where uh, like Butch and Sundance are in like the the whorehouse in town. Yeah, they go upstairs and sh- uh, you know like Butch is there with a the girl, and we but we never get the sense that like 
it's there's never like a weird malicious in a lot of other westerns there's like a, a bit where he's like all right get your drawers right. down and like throws a coin <laughs> yeah, at her exactly. face and then there's it there's like, like a real Sundance is like kind of hanging out in the room and like, then when things they all know each when other. things start getting hot and heavy there's like a well don't ask me to stay and, and then so he leaves know. like all right let, right guys and, do your business and even the the sex worker who's with Paul Newman is like you know other girls might like you for these reasons but I like you because of this and yep. they're having a conversation and it's not all like oh you're so dreamy. right right there's a real conversation happening between two people which you know i don't know it's and speaking of the whole turning a turning a how how men handle women in these types of movies generally speaking mm-hmm. is when sundance meets up with um his lady friend Catherine for the first Ross. Time. I don't know her character's name, but Catherine Ross is. But the that actress. one takes you by surprise it does. too, because he's sitting in her room. You don't know that they know each other. It plays draws, like a rape scene. It does. He draws his gun on her, right. and he's like, "No, keep taking your clothes off." Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of like uncomfortable. He takes his gun belt off in a real kind of "I'm gonna fuck you now" way. Right. Yeah. And then she's like, "I wish for once you just show up on time." You right. know? And you realize <laughs> you're, like, you're like, "Oh, oh it's a game." They're just playing like. Yeah. But I like I didn't really remember that scene going in this I time. I remembered like, it. I, I watched it when I was so young. Yeah, I was like, like, oh, this is weird. But like, for some reason, maybe the last time, I just didn't really remember how that scene played out. I knew who she was, clearly, but, right. but I didn't remember like the little beats. That You're like, that how do we get out of this weird hole that he's digging? Like, this is really uncomfortable and awkward. And, like, maybe that speaks to like what movies have done to my brain now. Like, you're right. expecting that, like, I'm gonna take my belt off and beat you with it or something, right? And I think part of it is the western too. Yeah, exactly. If you you watch a lot of westerns, mm-hmm. so oh yeah, westerns and kung fu are two too. of my favorite. I love westerns, so and, but and that, blend together that is one well. of the things that you often have to sort of because a lot of them are made in the 50s and early 60s and they're portraying a time much older and even rougher than the 50s which is nobody's idea of a pick so like you have to get through sometimes the scene I mean, watch watch any uh, any spaghetti western, and there's the scene where oh, they yeah. be, they beat the woman, yep. and I mean, half of Clint Eastwood's later weirder movie is with or Sergio about Leone, the woman that's beat up, and or like the woman's been raped, and now he's gonna go and like yep. su- like circuitously avenge the her. last man standing kind of thing, yeah. And a movie we'll get late uh, get to later in this in this month, Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. One of the central plot points is a sex worker gets brutally beaten brutally. and raped. Yeah, um, and that's a huge plot point in yep. that movie so that's with you're the almost Western... expecting that in 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 this one seeing that scene with butch right and or not Butch. I keep calling sundance, sundance butch. but that's what i kind of that's what i like is the movie sets a really jaunty tone early and you then know? it's like oh no it's not gonna be that kind of western you veer they, left yes and very you, quickly and you're like and you're like there's a sense of relief you get we yeah you fear like oh please no please let's not and do then this it's like, oh they know it and it's fun and they let game the that they tension off yep and then it never really comes back like there's tension in this movie they're being chased through the entire thing yeah and what they it- set the stakes are real because come some of the posse get gunned down right, right? yeah so right off the bat that, so you know that like no we will kill people however <laughs> but sundance treats the death of two of their posse extremely like, casually those guys are good those guys are good <laughs> it's like two of their friends just got shot in the back right news and somebody just <laughs> and all these like, and his whole thing is like wow that was some slick shooting Did there you butch see how good those guys are god. those guys are really good who are these guys well that's sort of the 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 feeling that they take along with them is that it's not like that lighthearted like i want to know who the, who are these guys these guys are really good like, guys. even when they're running now this if i'm gonna take the movie now if i'm gonna take the movie to task for one thing 
It's the Wayne Drops keep falling away. <laughs> no, no. Although Paul Newman hated that uh-huh. scene. Did you know that we that song that was one. written after the rough cut of this movie was done? Really? Yeah, they'd shot this movie and then that song was written and the director was like, that's the one. Shit. Anyway, I actually... I am maybe the minority opinion, but I quite like that scene. And I, I, I think that it, I do. I like it. But if I'm going to take the movie to task for yes. one thing, having watched, we're going to watch possibly two of the greatest Westerns of all time. We're going to watch The Searchers and we're going to watch The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance mm-hmm. this month. And those are some of the finest films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And what makes them so great is the line that they walk between that dark callous western yes. where you've got like we're gonna go shoot some engines and i he's got a mexican wife so let's make fun of him right and and you know like the jauntiness of of butch cassidy and the sundance kid but i think that in some instances butch cassidy the butch and sundance that that the film we watched for this week goes goes for levity rather than giving gravitas to anything. Right, because you never... I would agree with that, because you never really feel like the stakes are really Mm -hmm. that high. There's not much weight to it mm-hmm. when you watching the movie is a delight but when you watch we're always it, joking about it right when you watch it to critique it like or, or to do a, a deep discussion of it like we did i kept looking for something to that would stick but nothing does everything kind of floats when they're they're running for like days oh from my the gosh super it's posse. 20 minutes of the movie when they're running from the super posse did you, what did you think i thought that was a bit long i did maybe I, it's for modern audiences i, didn't, I but, think i think pro- possibly that is, is true I think that's that's my favorite chunk of the movie. The the escape it is the escape from when they blow that second train, mm-hmm. and that posse comes out of the. Butch is like, "What the hell is that?" They right. get this one. Just it's whatever, just a, whatever they're selling, whatever they're I selling. Want. I don't mm-hmm. want it. And like a whole posse of people come riding out of this train car. From that moment until they get to until they jump off the cliff, essentially. Right. That section of the movie is my favorite section of the movie. A lot of it is because I didn't like I'd always go outside and play, and I'd play Butch and Sundance, and I'd be always running from the posse. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But it was like that constant sort of threat that was never really close enough to be threatening, but just always kind of there. Like the Jason Voorhees of the posse world. It's like it's just walking. There's pressure, but it's gonna find. There's you. always pressure, but and that that amount mm-hmm. of time allows them because they don't know who this this group is and you're going over different you go you're through the desert you're up into the mountains you're in the river you're on these rock ledges like they're trying everything that they know that they can possibly do to shake any kind of normal tracker that that they would possibly be able to to, to find them they, they right. even try to trick them like we'll both get on one horse and then get the other i just love those moments that was a the, great them stunt, trying by to the way. figure out oh them jumping off the on horse, horse jump yeah the horse that got uh the rider jumping onto the back of yeah. uh butch's horse that is a great stunt yep. there's a couple of really primo stunts in yeah, movie. even I the that. yeah, I would completely agree. But it's like those, it's them trying to figure out how to shake this posse, and is always there when they think. And I think those long moments of looking out over the over the landscape, and you're not really sure where you're supposed to be looking for them, yeah. and then they see them when, coming. And when they're looking, and then they we cut back mm-hmm. to the two running, and then we look. There's a there's a lot of shots. I briefly on the cinematography mm-hmm. that's not they're not quite pulling on they're not i don't think they're going for the john ford vista no they're not but they do use that they use the landscape yeah very well absolutely um we've talked in the past about um actors physiques and physicality being its own character in yes. a lot of ways i think there are better examples we'll see it in the searchers and john ford's use of of 
extremely wide angle lenses. But I think in a lot of ways, the landscape is a big part of... um, of the character mm-hmm. of this movie, like when they're the, they run through so many different terrains. When, yes. when they're running, we see them run up like a wooded uh, wooded incline. We see them running over rocks. Yes. We see them on open plains, and always in the background is that constant pressure. That little pressure of who the hell are these guys? But they slowly. And this is, I think, the reason why I love the scenes. And one, it's that constant sort of like they're running and trying to figure it out. But they do start to like piece it together. And I don't know if it's from their own paranoia of all these stories of these people. Right. Know that like he's a hundred percent Indian and he's like the best tracker ever. He can like track anyone, yeah, anyone anytime over, any, over anything. Yeah. Who do you think that guy out front might be? And you can see the guys kind of like couldn't be him. And then like who's the best lawman ever? Like the best is in like the toughest or the best and like, or, like the uh, easiest, easiest to pay to off. Bri- right. Easiest to bribe <laughs> or the toughest? Right. Toughest. The toughest. And like, do you think that that might be? him so they they put it together themselves without any sort of we are as the audience are never confirmed or denying that information right but in in their brains and in ours it it is it's right. that it's that it's that is that Indian and it's that lawman from Wyoming or whatever. Right. Or, he never leaves Wyoming. What? But he, we find out that he gets hired by the bank guy. Right. But uh I think that some, Oh, it does get confirmed because of the the news article. Right. The, right, right. Yeah, yeah, so they when they get back to uh Catherine Ross. But it, yeah, place. but at that point when they're still running you you don't know. They've 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 made it that is who it is. It could be anybody, but that it is. It could be, but right. yeah. But they start, it, and it almost feels kind of. It, there's a lot of ways that it could have been handled, mm-hmm. where I think that it would have given. I I I like those scenes. I thought it went a touch long, but I think it could have been better if they hadn't let the pressure off. Because every right. when they're running, and you see that posse coming, there's tension. But when we get to Butch and Sundance, and they're looking back, there's a, there's always that levity. There's always that yes. joke. That like really quippy dialogue. And it vents all the pressure that builds up. Yeah. Which, for me, and again, I'm not. I in no way am am uh, am like heavily criticizing this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. This is one of my favorites, and everyone else seems to love it too. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, there's like there is one heavy scene, and that's when. Uh, Butch finally does when they're in Bolivia, and Butch oh. does end up killing two people. Yeah. They go straight, and they end up killing people right and yeah <laughs> and found that to be when they were living their carefree life they're just happy and fine but when they try and enter into honest work they end up basically gunning down five men. five people yeah but uh there's this you can see it on paul newman's face yep. and, and then the next scene at the fire you can see it on sundance's staring. face too when he kills those yeah, guys when the pot when they kill that the the mexican posse or the the bolivian posse yeah it's, it's clearly on Paul Newman's face that like I've just killed my first like human being in Sundance, who's been notorious for gunning people down. Right. He yeah. even has a moment of like shit. We tried to go straight, and we haven't killed anybody in over h- however in long. ages. In right. Ages, it's been a lot of bloodless. We go straight, and within days or we've weeks, killed five we've people. killed five people. But I think I was wondering, do you think that part of that part of Sundance's pain is for Paul Newman? You know. Possibly. Because, that would make sense. You know, like, b- besides all... It's th- like, damn it, why didn't you tell me you never killed anybody despite before? Despite fine no, time yeah. to tell me, but despite all of their, like, chucking and jiving, they, they genuinely do care about each oh, other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really telling that in in the final scene, which we're not going to talk about just yet, nope. um, they're, bi- they're bandaging each other's wounds. They're, yeah. like, they're wrapping each other... They're taking care of each other. Yes. They're, like, w- brothers in a way that we don't see very often. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of Sundance's, like 
it's his Paul Newman's is pain, but I think Sundance's is almost like a God damn it. I wish I could have spared oh, you this fair enough. in a way. Um, you will notice in that that big gigantic shootout last scene that uh, Butch doesn't kill anybody. He, and, no, he gives his weapon to Sundance. Yeah, and Sundance does all the shooting. And su- when rather than being like, "No, I'm faster. I'll go and get the things," Sundance says, "Sundance, I think understands what Paul Newman's saying is, right. I don't want to do the shooting. Can yeah. you do the shooting, please?" And so, you so can, yeah, you know, I'm no good at it. I'm the one that has to go yeah, around and get the Yeah, I can't cover you. You can cover me. But I think that there's an undertone yeah, there. I like, think the I undertone is people. like, "Please don't make me do this again." And you can see it in you can see it in Robert Redford's face. Well, that moment he, of like. Well, oh, he, you're right. He looks at him, yeah, and he's not like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm a better shot." He he acknowledges that there's something else, and he mm-hmm. goes, "All right, you go." And he takes his gun and yep. provides cover. And I that I given that that, but see, like, how, think about what this movie would have been if they could have maybe touched that a little a little, a bit, little bit of a heavier touch here and there because those are the scenes that my god yeah. like even now talking about it i get mm-hmm. chills and my heart beats a little yeah. faster god it's every time they sit down at that cantina to eat after they held up the payroll yeah and they've got those donkeys with the brands on after the first time you see it it's, yeah your I'm heart like, sinks i'm just like don't go to this cantina don't take the mule in that has the brand of yeah. the oh god Oh Maybe God. this time they'll no. So let's. But before we get to there, uh, you know, honestly, it's it is an, it's such an amazing ending. But before mm-hmm. we get to the ending, let's go back to America. Um, <laughs> we've alluded to it, and I want to talk about the bicycle scene. Okay. Why do you dislike the bicycle? Okay, scene? for one, I do not care for Burt Bacharach at all. <laughs> it's not in my wheelhouse of like I don't have his best of. Gotcha. Okay. But I like Elvis Costello and all sure. those. Like, but like Burt Bacharach, like the raindrops keep falling on the on my head is the uh, one of the worst songs ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bad. And then the way it's the bike scene, and it's like, uh, I like it. You don't like the bike scene either. Not at all. What do you not like about the bike scene? All I, of I, it. Can I, I say all of it? G- but give me some specifics. <laughs> I will defend it in a moment. But okay. I, I want to hear what you've got for me. So well, I do like how it's how it starts when it's it's Sundance and Lady Friend are, are, are relaxing and Paul Newman Butch is, is I'm coming right, for, for you, for you. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. And like it just plays out for too long for one thing, and then you're already oh they're fun they're friends she's gonna ride on the bike with them that could have been the moment and mm-hmm. I understand the director wanted to give the two of them time to improvise and to build that character and that relationship between the two of them okay. and to just let them play like I, they could have done that but then the fucking Burt Bacharach song starts playing and I just go fuck <laughs> ah shit. <laughs> Yeah, so I gonna go take a uh, piss now or something. It's just um, horrible. It's like it's like when anytime Min May sings during uh, the during Robotech, it's like horrible. It's like is this really? <laughs> oh, Robotech reference on the Western right. episode. <laughs> Sorry, you know that my brain just works that way. But it's for for me. It's just it feels like wasted time, and I, it's just so cheesy and so. Uh, that's part of what I actually well, that's part of what I actually like about the scene. It's so the way that I come to this is sort of a discussion of the larger tone of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. 
I think that what? No, it's just the none of the way it ends is not only bad enough, but then at the end of it, when he breaks through the fence and the bull is there, yeah, and then we we stop the the raindrops and we go to <laughs> like it's like come on. The reason that I like that now, keep in mind that Paul Newman is on your side. The man <laughs> in enough. the scene, Fair the enough. man in the scene supports your opinion of Thank the scene. Thank you, Paul. May you rest in soul. Yeah. May you rest in soul. R.I.P. Yeah. May you rest in in soul. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we'll cover Paul Newman's uh, breakout hit Shaft later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, what I the larger tone, the success of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid to me. If I came to this movie thinking that it was going to be or was supposed to be like a, a straight western in the traditional style, like a, a John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Gary Cooper type western, it would be an abysmal failure. Yes. But the reason that I think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid works is that the the pose it strikes, not the pose, the 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 angle that it approaches the Western from, which is this weird s- celebration of folk heroes. Mm-hmm. It it watches like a boy's adventure story oh, about yes. the Old West. So I think in a lot of ways, like cutting out the dark underpinnings works for it if they'd only done it here and there like if the bicycle scene was in there and then paul newman you know goes to like rapes a woman and slaps her and starts using racial slurs against mexicans the movie fails completely but because it constantly stays in the clouds for you Mm -hmm. and keeps that that sort of jaunty high adventure feel um that's why i like the raindrops keep falling on my head because it's there's a weird it's it's an introduction to this almost childlike romance between, between the two of them. Paul Newman and Catherine Ross. Right. Where yes, she, we we did get the implication that uh, she and Sundance had some, uh, s- some sexual congress yes. the night before. They're relational, yeah. So yeah, like they had sex, but it happened off screen. And when we see Paul Newman and Catherine Ross, we get we've seen how uh, Sundance and Catherine Ross's character so are more feisty. Well, not only not- feisty, but kind of, kind of dark and adult. Yep. They play like a kinky, like it's, it's a kinky sex game, yep. right? He's like, take off your blouse. And he points a gun at yeah. her, right? Then the next relationship we see her w- form is a pastoral ride through the countryside on the bicycle, on a, the handlebars of a bicycle while raindrops keep falling on my head is playing. And Paul Newman is funny clown man. He's like, right. now I'm doing this Superman on the bike and ooh, wacky hijinks with a bull. Right. Her relationship with Paul Newman and her relationship with Robert Redford could not be more different. Yeah. And I think that that bicycle scene is effective because it so strongly, so quickly establishes the difference there. Um, and then we even find out that when she gets back home and she like snuggles up against him after he's kissed her neck and she's like, do you think if I'd met you first, you and I would be right. a thing? And then we then... This is so fucking smart. Then we get the how that relationship works in three directions established. We see them dis, uh, defined individually. Mm-hmm. And then Sundance comes out and says, what are you doing? And he goes, stealing your woman. And he goes, all right, let's take her. <laughs> and goes back inside. Yeah. And they manage to keep that dynamic fairly consistent throughout the film. Mm-hmm. They It's obvious that Catherine Ross loves both of these men. Both of these men love Catherine Ross, but in a weird very tightly knit way they love each other as well so no one has any problem with anything ever 
show me another movie where a relationship is Doesn't so happen. well handled. That is fucking yep. amazingly done. There's actually a shot that's kind of interesting, whether it was intentional or not. It's when they get back from the Super Posse and they're at Catherine Ross's. They've met back up. Mm-hmm. It's Sundance and, and Catherine Ross outside, and it's Butch Cassidy on the inside inside the house. You can see him through the screen window. Right. So this the, the bit where he says it was blah blah blah. Right, right, it right. Calls Sundance in essentially. Calls, yeah. yeah. So they, they do. They sometimes do that. Using once depth, I, depth yeah, once I scene. once I saw it, I couldn't unsee a couple of other times that that was used where two characters would be right front and center, and while the third one is in like the back, in the back, uh-huh. and then yeah, it was really kind of cool. How he uses the space. the The cinematography in this movie is amazing, and they really. Oftentimes, it's the cinematographer working with the director who mm-hmm. will set up basically the blocking of a scene. Right. And a lot of movies, you'll see the two main characters in the front, and then there's like maybe extras. But a lot of time, the background is like weirdly dead. This movie this uses the, depth yeah. so well. Um, the like the cinematography at the beginning of the movie when it's in sepia tones and everything is really clean, like hard cut dark shadows. Mm-hmm. When uh, Paul Newman walks into the bank and they start closing windows and it just cuts it's off section dark, yeah. of his sections of his face, it's like watching like an old western, like a or like a Clint Eastwood western mm-hmm. or like a crime noir film. And then it when we're back in like. La 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 la. We get full like it almost screams like Technicolor. Right, to me. exactly. Yes. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I really liked uh, the scene when they escape the super posse and come back to uh, Catherine Ross's place. I'm so sorry, I forgot that character's I know, name. But I she, know. at least I remembered the actress. She's Catherine Ross, and God bless her. Uh, she was 26 at the time that they shot this, I think. Um. Anyway, when they get back to her place, she hug she hugs both of them yes right and she, like the first thing she doesn't like oh my god sundance she, she hugs, both, hugs of them, both of them and yeah. they hug her back kind of but they're like super weary right mm-hmm. and then robert redford leans he does the casual where it's the john wayne pose yeah it's not that's not who he is but it's the moment a momentary john wayne pose where he's like don't make a big deal of it right and paul newman just goes inside so now we've got our relationship. Paul Newman accepts the, he's very practical. He's thinking. So, you know, they mm-hmm. hug and he goes inside to do some reconnaissance. He asks about the paper, I think. And that's yeah. why he goes in. And uh, Sundance is the tough gunslinger. But then we see, we see genuine feeling. And I think that the reason, where she walks by him and he grabs her and says, do make a big thing of it. And they embrace. Right, yes. Like we, we see Sundance's vulnerability. And I think the reason we see that is, it's so it's such a good piece of writing. We've the two times that we've seen the three of them together, mm-hmm. Sundance has come off a little callous. Like he, sure. they play the weird like I'm the bad robber and you're the, so that that has a touch of dark to darkness to it. They're obviously affectionate. When he finds out that Paul Newman's like all about his girl, he's like whatever, take her. And he can he seems a bit brusque. But the third time the three of them are together, we see genuine tenderness yes. and affection, and we understand. Oh, okay. This relationship isn't going to be like she leaves him for Paul Newman. She's driving a wedge between them. No, they're they're all good. That's no. that's the the like that's like the final piece of the puzzle where we're like, oh, everything's oh no, they're fine. Everything's they're fine. All this through. is just how there's it actually is. a moment of the of the relationship triangle that happens in the scene that is the photographs. Yeah, from the New, New York, York montage. Yeah, the New York montage where they're dancing at what, exactly what a you're club, talking about. Mm-hmm. and it's the it shows you a picture of. The uh, Sundance dancing with her, mm-hmm. and you see Paul Newman sitting at a sitting table. at a table, kind of looking at them. And for one of the pictures, he kind of has a face that's like 
forlorn almost. It's almost a way. like a touch of melancholy. Like a touch of like, melancholy. And then the very next picture is this smile on his delighted. face, like just delighted with the two of them, with the three of them, with his part in that right. relationship. So we, like, it, it gives a. I know it's a series of like five pictures. Five pictures of the same. The same thing happening, and what they're doing really is showing like the tenderness of Sundance and Catherine Ross mm-hmm. and and Paul Newman's response to it. Yes. And Paul Newman's response is only melancholic for a second, for and then one of the four frames. And or then it's minutes. better because he's with his friends and it's fine. Yep. And that to to go back to the tone of the movie. It works. Mm-hmm. It works so well because it is really, truly not a like. It's it's almost not. I was gonna say just now it's not a western, but it's almost <laughs> right. not the western that you think of. It is. It really is. It like takes three... place in the wild west, but it's not your typical western. There there are shootouts. There people die. People die. There's train robberies. Mm-hmm. There's horse riding. There's escapes. There's bank robberies. But is it there's a, a man like running it? on top of a train? That's, yeah. By the way, Robert Redford wanted desperately to do that stunt himself. Uh, I don't know if he did or not, but Paul Newman was furious. He's he took Redford aside and uh, and said um, uh, he's like, we don't want any heroics around here. I don't want to lose a co-star. Wow. Redford did almost all his own stunts for this movie. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, but yeah, you get a man running on top of a train as it goes through a deep valley gorge. Like fucking, sh- this is a western like, through yeah, and through. Yeah. But but it's a. It's like the it's like the last smile before the hard boiled movies of the nineteen seventies. Because this was sixty nine. Yeah, we're about to get into like, you know, I don't know the timeline exactly, but we're about to get into like Dirty Harry. Yeah. And Death Wish. Yeah. And movies like that, and then we're gonna get all of the slashers that came in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. We're about to get like a really bleak nihilistic American cinema, and this is like, like that, the last the last cheeky grin of God. And the, the way American they go West. out in the end, kind of like, and it ca- th- we'll get to the ending. I know. You know what? Do you want to just touch on it right now? Sure. We can always dive back in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Later. What I love about the ending is two two things primarily. One, it fulfills Catherine Ross's powerful yes. line in the middle where she says, "I won't watch you die. I'll skip that scene." Mm-hmm. You know, if it's all right with you. Yeah. And at the end, we, the audience essentially skip skip the scene scene. we don't see them no the second thing that i love and it's i'm not even talking about the scene Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the last shot the freeze frame frame that fades to sepia and Mm -hmm. zooms out we capture our heroes alive in action together as we always want to remember them and when we zoom out when we do our zoom it stops just before you ever see a single soldier. Yep, you never see them surrounded. No, yeah. so your last image of them, and there's, unless I'm rem- uh, misremembering, there's like wide open space behind them. Yes, They're there not is. surrounded in the background, so the last thing you see is Butch and Sundance side by side running out completely free. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I know, but what, what yeah. a perfect end to this film. It's the snapshot, the final. It's it 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 seems to mourn the loss of them. Yes, in a way, because we hear the gunshots. There's no doubt left in your mind at the end oh, of this there's movie. Thousands of rounds being fired at them. They're yes. absolutely dead, but we don't hear them like Butch. No, eh. we just hear the gunshots. Yep. So our last anything of Butch and Sundance is f- is Butch saying, "Wow, I thought we were in trouble there for a minute." <laughs> <laughs> Going out, going out jaunty too. I, I had an issue with it for a one microsecond. I was like, I was like, 
should have should have made that moment a little heavier. But then I when I saw that freeze frame, I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. That's not the move. Not at all. The way that you go out is you stay true to these characters yeah. and you stay true to the larger than life, technicolor, adventurous. It's there's there's two types of uh, quote unquote American outlaw in cinema. There's the American outlaw who's slapping women around and slamming whiskey right. and shooting children and shooting shooting babies, you know. Yeah, just like they, th- there's the American outlaw, the black mm-hmm. hat, and I'd like to point out that both of them are technically, I mean, uh, Sundance wears a black hat yep. and an all black outfit for most of the movie, and the sheriff, there, the guy that they point out as the best sheriff, wears a white hat. Mm-hmm. So white skimmer. Yeah, he wears a white skimmer, but so they're not technically the good guys. They're outlaws. They are the bad guys. But they are that second type of American outlaw, the colorful characters. There's when there's the folk heroes. There's the reality of John Dillinger, brutal man, murderer, mm-hmm. super violent, um, alcoholic. And then there's the folk hero, John Dillinger, Robin Banks, but he wouldn't take. You know, he wouldn't take the people's money; just took the bank's the, money. Just, yep. There's a there's a weird there's a weird uh, mythic quality that we can give Butch and Sundance because the movie doesn't ever dip us into like dip us into the the shit that we're about to see in American cinema. I love that it yeah. preserves. Thank God for that. It's it almost doesn't... it's almost like saying it's almost like like fondly remembering the the colorful American folk oh, hero. I thought you said fondling. Remember? Fondling. Jesus. No, fondly remembering the... <laughs> the yeah, the colorful yeah. American folk hero. The 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 fun story. Mm-hmm. Because that is... I don't know I don't know if it's prescience or if it's just preemptive nostalgia. Maybe, right, right, right. I don't know. That's, that's one of the things that I absolutely loved about this. Um, yeah. Sorry. For a movie where the heroes die at the end, it sure is a feel-good movie though, right? Like, it's... You have that. I think it's because you don't see them gunned down. You see them in, like you said, sort of out there in action. Your two heroes. Yeah. Like, uh. This is uh. You. It, it happens really suddenly. Actually. The death. Yeah, yeah, that last shootout is like maybe four minutes. Yeah. I know. Well, fairly I'm just long like movie. in the like because I've having seen the movie several times before, I forgot that that scene happens right after they rob the payroll. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens right away, and it's like, oh shit, we're here already. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was kind of taken taken by surprise as well. It was as soon as they got to the cafe, I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, this looks like the cafe where the, where the this gun, is the cafe yeah, where, where the, the shootout happens. happens. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And that's that is one of the things about this movie that proves its effectiveness to me on second watching. Like we said at the beginning of the movie, on second watching, when you see that cafe and yeah. when you see that brand, there's a, there's this, you like you you feel like, you feel like oh a sense of God, loss almost, yeah. right? This You're, is their last. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I wrote down on my uh, on my notes. Has there ever been better chemistry between uh, Paul Newman and <laughs> Redford? I mean, have you seen a sting? No, I've never seen the Sting. Okay, so that's the only other time that I would say that that kind of relationship. Well, Riggs and Murtaugh in that movie. Sorry. So in the Sting, Rob Redford and yeah, and Paul Newman. the movie that I haven't seen. You're just gonna right. start dropping character names. No, no, on no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, say, yeah. So, so I would say then, but then Riggs and Murtaugh, Lethal Weapon. Uh huh. Like I think that the chemistry between uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover mm-hmm. is about as close as you're gonna get to Butch and Sundance. Okay. 
and there's a lot there's a lot of similarities in the Riggs and Murtaugh characters as cops. You have the cops and you have the robbers, and they're two very similar. And they're separated by decades of filmmaking, right? Those two yeah. movies. Yeah, Lethal Weapons in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, in the 80s. So, like... You can't tell me that there isn't like. No, that's. I, I think that they're they're aware that they're making the butch and Sundance, but for the of cops. The 80s. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and and the the first two of them actually, the first three are fantastic. And I think the, those three movies, Lethal Weapon one, two, and three, are as close as you get to Butch and Sundance. Yeah, I mean, that's. But it's still not. I rem- quite I just that. remembered something that I wanted to say earlier about the the pressure that's put on during the chase because. Mm-hmm. The the being pursued through the West is is a trope that we see in a lot of a lot of movies. There was uh, two in particular that are three in particular I can think of. One is called uh, well John Ford's early fifties movie Stagecoach. Mm-hmm. It's the it's super racist and yeah. kind of spooky to watch when you realize the implications of the film. But it has one of the best stagecoach chases of all time. A stagecoach being chased by hundreds of Native Americans on horseback. And the tension of that movie is palpable in a way that it never because the the posse never really gets that close to them. No. They just relentlessly are following them. Um uh, have you ever seen? There's a horror movie called It Follows. Have you ever seen? No, it? no. I've been told that that's the, what. The basic premise is that there's a mon- in that movie. Reminds me of this. I swear it's relevant. There's a monster, basically like a like sort of amorphous monster mm-hmm. that can look like anyone, can look like your friends, or can look like um, acquaintances, or could okay. look like a stranger. But wherever you are in the world, it walks in a straight line directly towards you. Never runs. Never. Never like sprints, never just jumps out at you, just towards walks you. towards you. No, and no matter where you go, it just adjusts and keeps walking. So if you keep running, it'll ostensibly never get to you. But the thing you got to remember is it never, it ever never stops. stops. So that kind of is the same pressure in a way. Uh, so yeah, it's terrible. like that. You should watch it. You'll like yeah. it. Um, there's another movie called The Hellbenders. Now, I'm not going to say that The Hellbenders is a good film. Or a great film. I like it. Not making it. a direct comparison. No, right? this is uh, this is it's a spaghetti western. Oh, it's a it. lot okay. of fun. Um, it's br- it's pretty brutal. Like a lot of violence. There's a lot of like slapping women around and <laughs> shooting unarmed people in the back. It's it's one of those westerns. One of those. But uh, basically, it's about a, a Confederate general after the Civil War steals a bunch of um, non-sequential unmarked bills. And is trying to run run it down to where the remnants of the Confederacy okay. are to restart the Civil War. So he's it's watching villains get chased by good guys, and the villains are our POV characters. It's pretty interesting to watch, but part of what makes that pressure situation so effective for me is you never know when a posse's gonna crest the hill. Right. Because there's not like someone always like riding behind them and they're like, yeah, yeah. They're not they're they're just moving. But they're always a sort of there. Yeah. And yeah, there's so they'll be moseying and then all of a sudden, boom, twenty horses come over the hill. Like, and you're like, go. oh shit. Well no, because they're trying to stay legit. So they they stop. They have the money hidden in a coffin. Oh, okay. And they have a woman with them who plays a widow. There's a lot to get we could get we could watch that movie. It's pretty fun. But uh <laughs> so they every scene is a posse of twenty horses. They're every time 
time they run into the law, they're fucking so out, outgunned. Like, and, there's no way they, they can that right. the tension of the scene is they're like, we're looking for some outlaws who slaughtered a bunch of people. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's terrible. Here's our papers. That's a dead body in the back. Don't open that casket, please. You know, like, right. that's the tension is like, everyone's like, hey, wait a minute. Something's weird about this casket. And like, someone in the posse will cock a gun. And oh, then you get the, the zoom close-up shots of everyone looking at everyone else. And then they go to pry the casket open and the woman starts crying and they're like, we're so sorry, ma'am. We didn't, that Jeez. was fucked up. We should. So that's the tension of that movie. So the, I like, there are lots of movies that do the chase well. Yes. And not to belabor the point, but I think that perchance this chase could have been done a little more, a little more with a little bit more pressure and tension. Right. Because it would have made the, the let off of their trip to Bolivia so much well that bigger. and the need to like jump off the cliff you know when the posse finally does yeah. catch up to them and they're kind of like screwed yeah well you, I mean, and you can still have you can yeah. still have that you know and I I loved that was the, the that jump swim. that jump off the cliff is great um but what, I, what I'm thinking is like if you ratchet that tension up and ratchet it up there's and then little, they there's jump there's more stakes there, there's well and it also makes when they get back to Catherine Ross's place it also makes that sigh of relief right, that much bigger. And then we can get right back into like, la, 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 la. When I say Bolivia, you just think California. <laughs> um, did you catch any, did you see any um, Tarantino in this movie? Or did Tarantino see any of himself? Well, yeah, that's right. what I'm saying. But like, well, Tarantino is such his own entity now well, that yeah, you yeah. can't help but reverse engineer reverse him. Reverse engineer him. Um, I, there, there's specifically what do you think? The, the use of like modern music over oh sure there was Burt Becker acted the the music for for most well, of it it's not just that scene I was talking about the uh, like when they're in Bolivia and they rob that bank mm-hmm. and they're like they come into that bank and there's a song playing and the song overrides all the dialogue there's no dialogue at all it's just like da 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 oh right yeah and then they're like they go downstairs and there's like kind of a comical bank robbery which is written by Burt Becker Okay, fine. the music for the... All of the music? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, good, good for him. Goody for him. <laughs> what a feather in his cap that must have been. <laughs> um, but but the, so it's the... Just that, that touch of, of like mini music videos inside right. a movie. Like part of what... And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that they were playing like, you know, what was 69? They're not playing like Hendrix songs no, in here. But, but it's not music of the time. Right. T- music out of its time accenting larger than life happenings to me there was i don't know i just i wrote down a couple times i was mm-hmm. like tarantino touch and i it just some some of it i think they event, sold from tarantino yeah, yeah tarantino's <laughs> fucking bastards they went forward in time and realized they're how, like, how brilliant is this they're, yeah they're this watching in. his movies and they're like he is so good, so good. oh my god did you paul newman check this <laughs> paul out newman, look at this kill shit. bill volume two is secretly a western that is proof that time travel is real, is real. Yeah. Question is, did they use morgue drawer or did they use a DeLorean? No, I'm thinking this was a morgue drawer (laughs) type of situation. (laughs) Their depth of... No, you know what? Maybe... It's campy. It's campy. It's because it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's clearly a DeLorean. Clearly. They got a horse up to... (laughs) It's like Back to the Future 3. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They did did the Back to the Future 3. They did it. Well, God bless. That makes I don't sense because Doc Brown would, would be alive in the Wild West. 
<laughs> I think uh, I'm just but gonna no, say. No, I think that Tarantino would have been a fan of. I mean, he was a fan of, of, he's a, of he's all a, He's film, a fan of cinema. Of he all loves film, cinema, right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, the schlocky grindhouse stuff is what he's known for, but he was a fan of John Ford and the westerns and everything. Right. So I could see him, like... Well, that's how I heard maybe about... Maybe even subconsciously, like, you steal from things that you know. Right, Whether right. you're aware of it or not. So there, there could very well be some, like... I will give... Because I'm assuming the people who are listening to this show are film lovers. Oh, yeah. I will give a massive shout-out. The way that I heard about... There's another one, but I can't remember. I think it's called... I, I can't remember. Um, oh, no. Uh, if, you, if you meet Sartana, pray for death. That's the other movie that has a really good chase scene in it. Um, another spaghetti western. First nice. time I've ever seen a machine gun in a western. It's pretty fun. It's one of those big Gatling. Oh, the Ratchety, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. And another movie where money is supposed to be in a coffin, but isn't. <laughs> um, I heard about both of those films. Shout out to this website. We're not in any way affiliated, but it's a great resource if you love movies. There's a, a website called the Grindhouse Database. Um, and they have an article on there called uh, Quentin Tarantino's Top 20 Spaghetti Westerns. Oh, excellent. So that's the list that I've been watching through. That's where I found out about Hellbenders and Red Sun and If You Meet Sartana, Pray for Death. And they're awesome. Those are the ones that he's like, these might be shitty. I started at the bottom and I'm working right. towards <laughs> Number one is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Sergio Leone. Oh, so good. But uh, I started at the bottom and I started watching the ones that like didn't quite make the cut. And they're fucking fun, man. <laughs> they're so fun. Um, I, I really don't have anything else for mm, Butch Cassidy. Neither do I. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's an, coming off of March Madness. It was really nice. To, it was a good palate cleanser. Oh my gosh! Such yeah. a good palate cleanser. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved it. I'm glad we're doing westerns. Yep. I'm glad we started with this one because by the end this of the is, month, we're gonna be just dying. The Searchers is gonna be really morose. And is that? The, I think that's the last one this month. Is the I think Unforgiven is the last one. Oh, good but, lord! Uh, but yeah, we started off. We needed we a palate out, cleanser. We started out the right way in the mouth of madness. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and Unforgiven. So. Um, I wanted to do, I should have written all this down before we started, but I wanted, we, we always end up with a little bit of business. Yep. So I wanted to, uh, well, there was a few things I wanted to remember. We've been talking about the Patreon, but yes. haven't mentioned how they find it. Ever. Oh, good point. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> we've had four awesome episodes. I'm in the podcast. I don't know how to find it. Tell me, Max. Uh, the, the right now, because the uh, the Patreon for this show is sort of a catch-all Patreon for the creative endeavors, musical, film, and otherwise, mm -hmm. um, it, the Patreon, if you just go and look up, I think it's Max Peterson. I should probably know this myself. <laughs> We're going to put it out there. Well, the, I'll definitely know by the next episode next week, but uh, if you just search Max Peterson, you should most definitely find me, because um, my name is tagged all over it so just look up max peterson we're doing lots of cool stuff over there uh at the th if you you know it, obviously the show will always be free we'll always keep the show free to the public and we'll keep the episodes coming what we're doing over on patreon is uh bonus episodes we're going to be doing uh remakes of films that we do in the regular show we're going to be doing um sequels like for example in the regular show we might cover uh nightmare on elm street but on patreon we'll you cover nightmare on elm street two three four five six exactly seven. <laughs> 
um, we're going to be doing a special guest series. We're going to watch whole runs of horror movies and of action movies with people who love and appreciate them. Yes. And uh, you can get all sorts of cool stuff over there. Um, some of our pledges, you can unlock the abysmal but delightful season zero that we did where we it's covered, not bad actually listen it's to great the, to i the listened power, to the couple of them like oh it's not too i bad. listened to the three that we didn't release and they're fucking awesome oh sweet frank never made it to itunes but that is a great episode All and right, it's cool. going to be over on patreon um and for the uh you know there are other rewards that we might have are we're talking about being able to select a movie by right chance, you can like, pick one of the movies that we're going to watch and we'll work it into the main series that'll mm-hmm. be that'll be public and available for and everyone. hopefully maybe uh be being able to be part of a podcast right. through Skype if you're from not around these parts. <laughs> but uh, we want this to feel like it's your podcast as much as ours if you're going to be uh, helping us out over on Patreon. So. Right. So that's pretty much all I've got. Uh, I'm glad we're doing Westerns. Yeah. Welcome to April, everybody. We got some good, Here we are. We got some great Westerns coming up. Um, so it's sign-off time. Here we go. Um, hey, Carl. Yes, sir. Uh, if you show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> <laughs>